Jonah gets a rare and terrifying opportunity to experience his own death, but not to die. Uh, Some of us get those opportunities in life to be swallowed whole by a fish. In the belly of the fish, we don't die. We cry out to God. And Jonah does that. His poem, his prayer is like a poem. It's very Job-esque and very Psalm-esque. I think there are some Psalms that have some of these same uh, phrases in, in here. I call to the Lord out of my distress. And Jonah would have known all the Psalms. So it makes sense that he would uh, use those lines in his cry to God. It's amazing how in times of great distress and anxiety and uncertainty, we recall things from either our childhood or from our faith that are deep in our soul. That's one of the reasons we're a liturgical church. And all that means is we do a lot of repetition back and forth and we recite things, we read things. We do some of the same things over and over and over and over again because we are trying to carve those words into our heart and soul for moments like this when we pass through the valley of the shadow of death. But God is not finished with Jonah. Uh, God is just beginning his relationship with Jonah. Jonah has done everything to avoid what God wants him to do. And now this fish has become his school teacher. This fish is teaching him what direction he needs to go. He, takes, uh, he makes promises in the belly of the fish, um, a foxhole conversion, if you will. I'm reading Jeremy Taylor's Holy Dying uh, during some of my insomnia hours <laughs> this morning, early this morning. And um, I'm, he starts with a discussion of can people convert on their deathbed? Um, is this a thing that happens? And is this a thing we should hope for or expect in any way, shape, or form? And it's a wonderful discussion and meditation on how um, we kind of trip through life with a lot, with a lot less care um, for the things of God. And as our death approaches, whether through old age or illness, we suddenly become more aware of the eternal possibilities for our future. Uh, and so Jonah has this chance that few of us ever get to die, but not die to experience what it's like to go down to the roots of the mountains, to have the, the, uh, all the plants whirl around our head I don't know what he's describing. Uh, You know, the story of Jonah is one of those that people say it's a made-up story. And then I'm also like, how could you make this up? (laughs) No no one would believe it if you made this up. Um, And no one would believe it if it actually happened uh, as well. So to me, it's one of those Bible stories that uh, is fascinating because it brings up all these questions of, of our relationship with God and other people, especially people that we hate, that are different from us. Remember, God told him to go to the Assyrian Empire and tell them to repent, to tell them that their days were numbered. God told them, God told Jonah to do something that was very dangerous and probably would have cost him his life um, just on the face of it. And so Jonah has experienced this uh, death and now life. The life that he gets, the birth that he experiences is vomiting on the shore of the um, coastline there, um, or maybe along the riverbank uh, on the Tigris or Euphrates River. Hard to say where, where he lands. 
But you can imagine he looked quite different after being uh, swimming in the digestive juices of the fish or whale or sea monster, whatever swallowed him. And now he is altered in appearance and altered in the core of his being. I think that these kind of life-altering experiences have a way of focusing us on our mission in life. Um, If you've ever survived a disease, as many of you have, if you've ever um, dealt with experiences where you thought you were going to die and it was likely, uh, we those things change us. Uh, for in my own little experience, uh, being a veteran changed me for certain uh, experiencing war. Uh, the word veteran comes from the Latin root "old man," um, because and it goes back to those days when young men would go off to war and they would come back looking older and their eyes and their face and their bodies would be older, um, even though they had been gone maybe a year or two. And so these are all life-altering experiences that change us. And Jonah has one of these. Um, He's in the the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Um, And Jesus picks this up and says, just as Jonah was in in the whale for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Um, Jonah is describing in this prayer poem, death. Like he's like, I died in the belly of the fish. So in some ways, Jonah's story is, it has a little mini resurrection here. And yet the vomiting couldn't have been that pleasant. Um, the, the return to life had to be quite a shock to him. You can imagine that first gasp of air as he comes out. I mean, this is a wild story. And yet uh, I think our stories are wild, too, when you really think about them. The way uh, we've come through life, if you, were to, if you were to script out your life at the age of 14, uh, we probably wouldn't have written this story <laughs> in many ways. And yet this is the story God has given us. And so whether you've been vomited out on the beach and feel that way, um, you still have a mission for God. God is still working in Jonah's life in an even closer way now than ever. Almighty God, to whom we must account for all our powers and privileges, guide the people of the United States in the election of officials and representatives, that by faithful administration and wise laws, the rights of all may be protected and our nation be enabled to fulfill your purposes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. Samuel Isaac Joseph Sharuski. It's spelled quite long in, long, in a long way, um, the last name. But the story of Joseph Shrewski is unique in the annals of the church. He was born in May, on May 6, 1831, to Jewish parents in the Lithuanian town of Tarrogan, where near where my ancestors came from, uh, there in Lithuania. His early education was directed towards the rabbinate, but during graduate studies in Germany, he became interested in Christianity through missionaries of the London Society for promoting Christianity among the Jews and through his own reading of a Hebrew translation of the New Testament. Uh, At this time, many Anglicans uh, formed missionary societies to evangelize Jewish people to Christianity. Um, The ethics of this is certainly debated today, uh, looking back at this to try to actively convert Jewish people to Christianity, given the history of anti-Semitism that has existed in the Christian church, and yet This was um, something that resonated with this young man, Joseph, uh, there 
in Germany. So these folks from London met a guy from Lithuania in Germany, and he started reading the New Testament in a Hebrew translation. Um, in 1854, Shrewski immigrated to America and entered the Western Theological Seminary in Pittsburgh to train to be a Presbyterian minister. After two years, he became an Episcopalian. Well, it happened to me, too. <laughs> it happens to a lot of people. Um, and he finished his studies at General Theological Seminary in New York City, where he graduated 1859, so like right before the Civil War. After ordination, in response to Bishop Boone's call for helpers in China, Shrewski left for Shanghai. He was always good at languages. I mean, can you imagine growing up in Lithuania that where they already spoke several languages, Polish, Lithuanian, and then growing up in a Jewish family, Yiddish, and likely uh, Hebrew. Uh, and then he goes to school in Germany, so he learns German. Then he goes to school in America, so he learns English. I mean, uh, an amazing uh, linguist. Um, so from, for, for about a decade and a half, he lived in Peking and translated the Bible and parts of the prayer book into Mandarin. After Bishop Williams was transferred to Japan, Shrewski was elected as Bishop of Shanghai in 1877 and was consecrated at Grace Church, New York City. He established St. John's University in Shanghai and began his translation of the Bible and other works into Wenli, which is a language uh, spoken there. He was stricken with paralysis in 1883, and resigned as bishop around that time. I don't know if that was Lou Gehrig's disease or something like that, but he was paralyzed. Um, Shrewski was determined to continue his translation work, and after many difficulties in finding support, he was able to return to Shanghai in 1895. Two years later, he moved to Tokyo, where he died on October 15, 1906. With her his heroic perseverance, Shrewski completed his translation of the Bible, typing some 2,000 pages with the middle finger of his partially crippled hand. Four years later, before his death, he said, I have sat in this chair for over 20 years. It seemed very hard at first, but God knew best. He kept me for the work for which I am best fitted. He is buried at the Ayamaya Cemetery in Tokyo next to his wife, who supported him constantly during his labors and illness. So a man who lived a really amazing life of transition and change in a time of great transition and change. And we thank God for his work of translation, especially. Oh God, in your providence, you called Joseph Shrewski to the ministry of this church and upheld him in his infirmity that he might translate the Holy Scriptures into Chinese languages. Inspire us by our example and prayers to commit our talents to your service, confident that you uphold those whom you call, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We pray a colic for mission on 100. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth, and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.